Welcome to Socially Sporty, a podcast for an inside look into the social media impact on first-year college students. Each episode, we will have a guest speaker to talk about their impact on social media. I'm your host, Brittany Gowen. I'm your host, Brittany Gowen, here with senior sports communications major, Christian Castro. Christian, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, Brittany. I'm glad to be here. Today, we're going to dive into March Madness as the first round just finished up. Christian, I know we watched the Florida-Virginia Tech game together. Intention was pretty hot in the room as me and Will both had Virginia Tech winning that game and you and Noah both had Florida winning that game. And of course, with our luck, it goes into overtime and sadly, Virginia Tech loses. So I started out my bracket pretty bad, but what would you say your first upset of the tournament would be? My first upset of the tournament actually kicked off in the first four when it was uh, Michigan State losing to UCLA because I did have them in the next round uh, going off and beating whoever they were going against. Um, but yeah, I just this tournament has been uh, certainly exciting in terms of a lot of upsets going around. Uh, I know the biggest one that impacted a lot of people was the Ohio State and the Oral Roberts one. And uh, I just like to see where everybody's brackets are at now. I mean, I know mine is busted as of right now because <laughs> Illinois was defeated. Uh, I actually made three brackets uh, this year, and uh, I had Illinois winning <laughs> the whole thing, and they were actually out because they lost <laughs> against Loyola Chicago. Yeah, definitely. I had Ohio State winning that game also, so that little side of the bracket for me also got busted. And on top of that, like you said, I had Illinois in my Final Four, and Sadly, that did not go as planned for me either. Yeah, there's been a lot of teams that have certainly come out and surprised uh, these, you know, one to five seeds. It's uh, Albion Christian definitely surprised everybody. They just lost recently against UCLA in the Sweet 16. They were so close to the lead eight. Um, oh, Roberts still alive. Actually beat Florida, which, mm-hmm. which no, I don't think I don't. I didn't see anybody. I don't see. I didn't see anybody. You know, making that pick and certainly I had Florida going and advancing from that round and I just don't think I don't know if you know anybody that picked Oral Roberts at all but they were the biggest underdog going into this tournament just because no one really expected them them to come this far in the tournament at all yeah I definitely agree with you there and just seeing how these tournament how this tournament is going to play out just you really don't know what's going to happen it could be I mean that's why we call it March Madness to begin with it's you know it's madness and there could be an upset from when we least expect it, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, looking at the, I want to say there were four play-in games this year, and it just was pretty crazy considering the fact, I want to say three of the, the four, they were one-point games. And just looking off of that, I just knew we were in for it from the first tip-off of that first game against Florida and Virginia Tech. Yeah, all games were actually pretty close up until, I would say, the second half of the round of 64 games um obviously gonzaga blew out whoever they played the 16 seed they weren't going to do anything there um if we look at the left side of the bracket as well we also had uh ucsb uh playing uh, i don't remember the top of my head but that game was close and it was only settled by a one point difference so it was it was just nice to see it's nice to see that during this time, we don't have any crowds, anything to, you know, um, pump up, you know, that action that the bring the intensity and the energy that March Madness already brings us. But at least we're getting these nice upsets and close games. Yeah, that's very true. But, you know, honestly, I would say my biggest overall upset for the tournament so far would be Iowa losing. 
that was somewhat pretty hard for me to watch and see happen because I became a big fan of Luca Garza because earlier this season, a lot of people have already seen, but he became tied with Roy Marbles for a record for the school. And when he went and I watched that video over and over of him missing that free throw, and when he did, he looked and he pointed up at the top of the ceiling, you know, pointing up to him because Roy Marvels actually passed away in 2015, and he was just honored to even be tied with him, and he didn't want to break it yet. He was not ready to break that record for the school, and it, like, had me gain so much respect for him as a player because that truly shows sportsmanship from that player. I definitely agree with you, agree with you there, Brittany. And another thing that's definitely impacted this tournament, I feel like, uh, in my opinion, I feel like COVID has definitely impacted this tournament. Obviously, not no fans, the intensity, the energy that you know the games bring along with that. But Oregon actually got a free pass through to go on in the tournament to mm-hmm. end up playing Iowa in that game, and they were well rested. You know, they didn't play in ten games. They were going to play VCU, but were out of the tournament due to COVID nineteen. Their whole team. Uh, got infected so Oregon got a really a free pass and they were just you know fresh legs going to that game I think that's how it impacted that game yeah as a VCU fan I would personally be pretty angry and upset at the moment due to them getting so far and being able to kind of get to the bubble but next thing you know their whole team ends up with corona and next thing you know they can't play because obviously no one's able to step foot on the court for at least 14 days or so and it just easily just slipped right out from under them. Yeah, and it definitely happened to Georgia Tech as well as they were eliminated in that Loyola Chicago game, which was a big game as well, as the Loyola Chicago actually defeated, as I mentioned before, Illinois, which I had winning the whole thing. And it was just upsetting because, you know, you never want to see anybody uh, be out of a game. You want to see the best players go against the best players and just to have that, you know, the best overall experience and everybody have the a better shot winning the tournament. Yeah, it definitely affected Georgia Tech when the ACC player of the year can't play because of Corona. And he was one of the few that tested positive for the team. And he ends up going. And of course, he just has to sit the sidelines and quarantine by himself and watch his team play. And I mean, I'm glad it was a last second decision for me to switch them. And I picked Loyola Chicago over them. And I was so happy I did just for the sake of my bracket. I mean, I feel bad for all the players and the teams right now that are suffering due to Corona, but I mean, it is what it is. And like we have said, it is March Madness. So, Yeah, you're right about that, Brittany. It's definitely March Madness. And it's good to see what we got coming up in these next couple games. It'd be nice to see if Oral Roberts can still go on that run and this underdog Cinderella story continues. Yeah, definitely. We love a good underdog story. I mean, as much as it might hurt my bracket in the end of it, I rather see an underdog kind of come out on top. I mean, if they keep playing the way they have been playing and keep pressing the way they've been pressing other teams, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we end up somehow seeing them play Gonzaga at some point and maybe, for all we know, give them a run for their money. And that would definitely be interesting, uh, to say the least, as we haven't seen a 15 seed in at all. I don't believe I have ever seen that in my lifetime um, in the uh, championship game. Not to, I don't even think... Even in the elite eight, for that matter, of all the all yeah, it's these been a long time. Yeah, all these ten seeds are higher. Have always been. Uh, if they make those Cinderella uh, story runs, I remember Florida Gulf Coast back in the day. Uh, they made their run. They also made it to the Sweet Sixteen, but then were eventually eliminated. 
um yeah it would be nice to see one of those big underdog teams make it into the lead eight for sure it would definitely uh impact those brackets as well as make it more interesting and uh to go along with the march madness uh entertainment that we have so far for sure thanks christian and i'm your host Brittany Gowen, and socially sporty we'll be right back after this break do you keep up with every inning every shot and every point scored by your favorite lines legends well tune in every tuesday at 11 to hear presley field and the play-by-play voice of the lions brett loftus discuss all things piedmont college athletics presley and brent discuss the past the present and the future of sports here at piedmont so come on lions fans we want you to join our pack on tuesdays at 11 right here on z 98.7 fm the roar Welcome back to Socially Sporty. I'm Brittany Gowen, your host, here again with Kristen Castro. So jumping on the women's side of March Madness, a lot of uproar has been happening on social media due to the fact that the women ended up only getting a few dumbbells and a few yoga mats as their weight room. And that kind of ticked a lot of people off on social media and the NCAA had to do something about it. So how do you think you personally feel through that situation? Well, Definitely, I I feel for the women, like, to be on that upside and be, like, you know, basically, they essentially treated them like, you know, they didn't matter in the sports industry and entertainment industry. I mean, I know, I, I certainly don't watch too many of the NCAA women's uh, games, but when I, when I do, I certainly, they're interesting to watch. I know it's usually, like, the four teams that it's usually there is Baylor, UConn, Notre Dame, yeah, it's not really a big entertainment industry like the men's side of it, but yeah, you never want to see that, especially on the big platform name of the NCAA, and I know they're probably getting a lot of media backlash because of it and a lot of bad publicity at the moment. Oh, yeah, I definitely think the uproar itself on social media is kind of like how the NCAA realized what they were doing was wrong because, I mean, even if you look at different pictures between the gifts they got— the men got towels, body wash, puzzles, like anything and everything. They pretty much got everything they, I guess you would want from a big tournament, but like the women's teams didn't really get a lot. And it was kind of shown even through their meals. It looks like they had, I mean, the joke on Twitter right now is looks like they had, it looks like they had microwavable meals for dinner and compared to the men that go and they kind of have like a buffet kind of set up for them. And I mean, I know that the women's sports don't bring in as much revenue as men do, but all the money that both sides make go to the NCAA as a whole, and it can definitely be split evenly. What do you think? And I think you make a a very good point there that all the money comes in from those sides, but I think it definitely comes down to the budgeting that they had for them. Mm -hmm. And they realize that, you know, women's uh, NCAA uh, March Madness doesn't bring in as much money and much viewership as the men's side did so they kind of invested more time now i don't think maybe they thought that hey they would get some social media backlash for those budget cuts that they had to do probably due to covid issues but it's definitely showing that they can't can't be slacking next tournament around and they have to show that you know uh they have to be equally uh providing to both women's sports and men's sports come future yeah i mean technically it does kind of uh Oh my God, what's the word? Dwindle? Yeah. It kind of does dwindle down to Title IX in a way because it shows the favoritism more towards the men's than the women's. But what do you think the NCAA will do once the tournament is over and everyone goes back to their schools and 
the NCAA personnel get to go back to headquarters and stuff. What do you think the NCAA will, I guess, either say to acknowledge what happened or, I guess, do for the future? Oh, that's a tough question. But if I were to be in their shoes, I think they would say and address it. It would be, like I said before, due to budget cuts and saying they didn't have the finances to support the women's side of sports uh, as much as the men because of the viewership and you know the sponsorship deals that they have compared to the women's side. Um, although I know that they'll probably get some backlash for it. They are going to have to address these issues, come out publicly, say what happened, and then move on from it. That's all you can really do is just go out there, um, address what happened, why it was like this, and then saying how the, we're going to fix it in the future. Yeah, I definitely think there kind of needs to be an apology because a lot of people, even on the men's side, a lot of the boys were like, okay, come on, like, let's at least like give them what we get because, I mean, they feel for a lot of women athletes because, I mean, lacrosse is a little different because it kind of is two totally different sports. But for basketball, it is the same game. Boys just play halves, girls play quarters. And definitely the athletes kind of came together. I feel like they're all in the same bubble, like, Literally, they're all in the same bubble, and they kind of, even the men kind of felt like they should have the same. And I definitely like the fact that the men were backing up the woman here, uh, you know, saying that that's not acceptable. They should be, you know, treated the same and helping them out, you know, kind of showing that, you know, you're not alone in this fight, and we're going to get through this uh, problem and situate it out, and hopefully the NCAA can figure out um, what was wrong with there, what was wrong with that case there, you know, with the dumbbells and the yoga mats and the and the food and figure out so that this doesn't happen in the future. So on top of everything going on in the backlash, but as social media as a whole, how do you think it's kind of impacted like the fan base? Because a lot of people, well, I guess a lot of the athletes have gone to like say TikTok and they've shown like, look, this is what we got in the bubble. This is what we're doing. Like, this is how I pass the time. Kind of showing the day in the life of being in the bubble and showing the little ankle trackers that they've been having to wear to make sure they don't actually leave the area. How do you think that social media platform showing the day in the life has kind of affected the fan base of March Madness? I think it kind of makes them like, you know, puts them to their own shoes, you know, like a documentary, like, you know, the ESPN and other networks do. It definitely shows them. And I think that now that they saw those documentaries, the fan base and they would see the side like, hey, this is why they're complaining. They can't physically leave that area to like maybe go get some food or something. They have to have all the food that's provided for them. And being that it's not high quality as it is, and it, especially because it's a Division One tournament mm-hmm. and everybody's going to see it, you expect, you know, good quality meals for those athletes so they're able to perform well in their games. Yeah, for sure. I really feel like Also, on the side of, like you said, like a documentary, like showing, hey, this is what we're dealing with. This is what we're doing. I kind of feel like it's kind of drawn more of a fan base this year just because everything we do now, sadly, is on social media just because of the pandemic and the way that we live today. I feel as if the fan base for certain teams and stuff have definitely grown, especially for March Madness, as these athletes have taken over TikTok to say, hey, look what I'm doing. Like, look, we're going to practice. Just, I feel like, especially since younger people are on TikTok, it has really gotten younger people into the sport itself. Yeah, it's definitely gotten the younger viewership. You know, those apps, um, they'll probably tell, you know, there's the kids probably tell their uh, their parents, you know, turn on the game. I just saw the, the team practicing 
And I want to see that team perform. I want to see how they play and how they're going to turn out in the tournament. With everything being done on social media right now from the athletes and I guess the teams in general point of view, do you feel as if this is going to kind of be a route that the teams want to take now, especially for recruiting and stuff as the fan base just for the tournament grew? Do you think they're going to keep going with it and even use it for recruitment? I think they're definitely going to that this uh, shed on light on on this situation is definitely going to put some big spotlight whether that is going to be towards recruitment. I actually think it's going to impact recruitment a lot because you don't want to see, you know, you expect to get the best treatment, as I said before, when you're going into a team and especially a division one team into a tournament, you know, to play. And you expect, you know, the best type of quality food. You expect all these things mm-hmm. to that you can perform well in the tournament. And now that you see this big, social media outlash i mean for pete's sake like the freaking weight rooms and stuff like yoga mats like really i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure um basketball players don't really do much yoga i mean i'm sure it's for stretching and whatnot get those joints loose but yeah you kind of you kind of see the amount of disrespect there and the, the amount of backlash that they're definitely getting for that it's just kind of like it could be kind of like seen as sexist a little bit yeah that's definitely something but i feel like the way the men have kind of backed up the women's and the way even the women i mean they haven't been rude about it and i feel like that also shows something about their schools i mean as an athlete there's only so much you can do and say on social media until you get in big time trouble with the school but i feel like it can definitely help get other people to want to come to the school just because of how they're handling things and how even the men's team on the other side is handling things. I feel like it just drives a bigger fan base to just want to come to the school and possibly even attend it as an athlete. And you make a beautiful point there, Brittany, about saying that, you know, as an athlete for D1, you really can't say much on social media or you have to be careful what you say because, you know, everybody's watching those tweets and you can expect those fines if you're rude about something. So it's nice to see the fan support backing up the women's as well as the men's side backing up the women's saying, hey, we're not going to stand for this. They really need these things and to perform well in tournaments, like I've said. And just overall, like it's just to be treated as equals. And, you know, the, the fact that they don't have the same amount of, you know, weight room equipment or food as the men's do just really shows how NCAA is really budgeting their budgeting for the women and the men's. Yeah, for sure. Well, Christian, that is all the time we have today. So thank you for joining me here on Socially Sporty. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in with us today on Socially Sporty. Tune in next time for a new episode with a new guest speaker and some insight on today's sports world around us. Stay sporty.